welcome to Practical Access. I'm Lisa Deeker. And I'm Becky Hines. And Becky, we're here today to talk about something, right? <laughs> you know what? That's the one thing we promise is we'll talk about something, Lisa. Yeah. So, so I think we kind of got a combo of questions about behavior, tech support, social emotional learning, kids at home. And I'm like, well, let's just turn this into a conversation. What do you think about that? Where do you want to start, Becky? Well, I think there's a couple of ways to look at this, Lisa. One is the need for teachers to have some behavior management ideas for synchronous um, online learning right now. Those teachers who are holding meetings in Google Hangouts or other platforms so that they can connect live with their students, but there's still some behavior issues there. Um, but also I think that maybe we can share a few tips for those parents who are now put in the role of being the behavior managers because we don't all have a lot of training in that and getting kids to be you know, compliant um, and engaged right now at a really difficult time is tricky. So Lisa, do you want to start with a couple of maybe parent tips for those parents who are trying to structure up their, their situation right now? So I think I'll sound a little bit like a parrot. Routine, 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 routine. If I could teach you one word. Uh, I think as a parent of a young man with Tourette syndrome at my house, the minute the routine was off, the world was off. Um, and it might sound crazy, but I not only needed a routine for him, but I needed a, a standardized routine for myself. Like the standing joke is he had to lay his clothes out on Sunday when we were going to traditional brick and mortar school, but so did I. Because if it was a meltdown day, well, think about that in your own home. You know, if you have shared computers, the routine may be to 8 to 8.30, I get on it as the parent. But at 8.30, I know I got to sign off because my child needs on it from 8.30 to 9 to meet their teacher. Putting that routine in, I always kind of joke, but you know what? If you ever watch the show Super Danny, what does she start with, Becky? What is the very first thing she does for that family? It always starts with a routine. Yeah. So there's that schedule. And so if you don't have a schedule on your wall, you know, it doesn't mean you can't leave your schedule and put things on there. Like I wrote on my schedule today at five o'clock, relax and stop doing stuff. Um, I think that's important, but maybe it should be relax and eat more chocolate is probably not the routine we're looking for. <laughs> so I think you need a routine, but that routine should be open to outdoor exercise. We're finding a lot of kids are sitting too long. And I know for my own son, there's actually research that shows kids with attention problems need more vitamin D and sunshine. Well, today it's rainy. How do I get that? Well, at least if he's not sitting at a computer. So it's that kind of stuff that you should be thinking about that your kid needed before. Physical activity, whatever. Try to put that in place in the same. Get up, brush your teeth, put your clothes on, pretend like there's a routine, even if there isn't. Right, Becky? <laughs> right. I think that's a great suggestion, Lisa. And I think the thing I would recommend for the, for the at-home educators right now, uh, routine and our second R word, which is reinforcement. Mm -hmm. One thing that we know and we do in schools well is we make sure that we reinforce kids all day long. So the teachers who get the best results are the ones who can weave in positive reinforcement. And random reinforcement actually works better even than scheduled reinforcement. So saying, hey, if you finish this, then you can have five cookies isn't actually as effective as spontaneously bringing over the cookie or whatever the reinforcer is and say, wow, you're working so hard right now. I thought I'd bring you a cookie. So thinking about that reinforcement and how we deliver it to our kids and how we, you know, get them to keep producing. And I think that that's, that's the key right now for those at-home parents. Any last at-home thoughts, Lisa? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's another one we always, you know, preach with parents, I mean, with teachers too, is that four positive to one negative. I know sometimes I have to write that on my mirror in the morning, remind yourself this morning to say four positive things, because we get lost on the way to brushing our teeth, and we both would end up going out the door angry. I, I remember many a days, I'm going to threaten you, you know, with your life if you don't get in this car. Well, that wasn't really helpful to either one of us, but it felt good in the moment. I think the same is true for this online environment. If you don't get on that computer, well, again, think about flipping that script. Wow, I can't wait to see what your teacher's gonna have when you get on that computer. I bet you can't wait to see your friends. So thinking about those positive statements of getting your kid on the computer and then go negative one and four, or when you really find your kid having a, pot, a bad day, my rule is 10 to one, you do get creative like, oh, I love that you're breathing oxygen today. I mean, you're gonna have to have that really <laughs> novel positive, but you gotta think of positives before you go to negative. And I think that's harder to do when you're cooped up in the environments we're all in right now. Definitely. And so I wanted to offer a, a, a little example from the online world real quickly, mm -hmm. because for those teachers out there who are teaching synchronously, and that is real time, again, in those online chats and in and, and different platforms that people are coming up with, um, there's still a need to moderate things like the chat box to keep kids from saying negative things, to keep kids from private chatting other kids and say, Zoom bombing. Have you heard of that? Where I've definitely heard of the Zoom bombing. I'm trying to work out some Zoom issues right now because there's a lot of things about Zoom that I really like and I'm trying to keep it safe and it's, it's all tricky. But one of the things, Lisa, that I experienced this last week in working in, a, in an online synchronous environment with a school and setting up a system that we have going, um, kids can we are setting we're setting a lot of things up as webinars instead of um, just a straight discussion sometimes depending on the size of the audience just to limit um, when kids can or cannot go on camera because when you log into a lot of these meetings the camera automatically activates with sound so what we found two two quick tips one is um, having a moderator in there who can mute a camera or mic for the mm -hmm. kid while the teacher's trying to teach. And that might be something that paraprofessionals could do if they're still on the clock, is, is to be a moderator in that chat. Uh, the other thing that, a very specific example from Friday, this was an open broadcast uh, to all students and they, had, they could choose to watch or not. And it was one of the specials teachers reading a story. And so there was a young man chatting in the chat box, this is boring. I don't like this story. I never liked this story. And he just kept going and going. Well, the teacher keeps reading because that's the model. And our moderator is chatting saying, um, you know, uh, if, you've, if you've already read the story, you might want to go find the book and follow along. Um, that didn't work. He just wants to keep saying negative things until she finally said, this is not required. You can choose to leave. And he still said something negative and she, she said, okay, so why don't you join us again for the next segment? And she cut his camera and his, she kicked, essentially kicked him out of the room until the next segment. And so if you think about that from an educational standpoint, what she was essentially doing is kind of that three-step sequence of uh, number one, you give, you give the direction or the command. Number two, um, you, you state what's going to happen if you don't follow the direction or the command, i.e. the consequence. And number three, you apply the consequence. So it was, you know, um, basically stop saying negative things. <laughs> number two, if you choose to keep saying negative things, then you're choosing to leave. And number three was 
he left. So I think teachers being creative and thinking about how to apply what we already know about behavior, but turning it into this digital format, it's, it's an emerging field. And I'm going to be curious to see what other teachers are finding and what things they're trying. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, tech support too. Uh, I'm famous. We're doing a lot of house repairs right now. And you know what? I can't tell you how many times I have YouTube that uh, from our washer breaking and we fix part A to part B. I think there's so many tech support things that you can Google um, to get the basics. And I really want to encourage our instructional aides not only to do that type of stuff, but for tech support for students, maybe you're one-on-one -on -one aid for. Maybe what you're doing is you're teaching the student to go and Google that using a voice command, um, showing them the link, seeing if they could at least click on the link and see how much, yes, they might not be able to do it by themselves, but think about the ways we can turn our kids with disabilities not into so much takers, but in givers. That's kind of one of my personal mantras is I think our kids need to grow up giving back. Well, if they figure out how to do it, now can they show a friend? Can they put the link up in the chat? So keep thinking as the instructional aide, how do you elevate that student with mild, moderate, or severe disabilities, whether it's behavioral or more um, physical, in giving them some roles that are meaningful and helping them help themselves. I think that's really the point of the online world. I can't imagine if every time I wanted to Zoom, I needed somebody to come and show me how to do it, that would get really frustrating. If you can show me how to do it for myself, I think it changes the trajectory. And I think that goes along with this whole behavior. I, when I'm frustrated, you heard the word bored. When I'm not engaged, we, see, we seem to see behaviors escalate. And that's always the challenge I think about in an online environment. Lisa, I think that's a good, a good way to end this one and set us up for our next segment, which we'll talk about the roles of different, different traditional classroom staff and what, that's, what that looks like now in this online world. All right, well, don't forget to send us your questions on our Twitter feed at Access, Press, uh, Access Practical, and we look forward to talk to you in the future.